and welcome to the One Pound Movie Podcast. I'm your host Wayne and this is episode 19. Now it's been a bit of a time since I did uh, a last episode. Through one thing or another, I won't bore you, I had some health issues. Not going to bore you with that stuff. And if you listen to this a year from when I record this, you won't care because there's more there. But we'll move on anyway. If you're not sure what this is, if you stumbled across my little podcast, basically what it is, I've been out to anywhere you can find a budget DVD. You know, any shop where you can buy a DVD for a pound or less, CEX charity shops car boots anywhere anywhere you can find dvd that is a pound or less and that's basically it doing it in the hopes of finding i don't know something decent something you haven't come across before something that's got oscar winning actors in or something that's got some b-movie stars that is actually worth your time that's pretty much it just for just for laughs so i ramble enough now on episode 19 like i say we'll be watching the games maker in ivan's world Games were everything. <laughs> Until a twist of fate. Hey, don't forget your consolation prize. Made it all real. Invent a game and send it today. Ivan, wake up. Congratulations. You are the winner of the competition. The great game is just beginning. Of this tattoo, you have no idea what that symbol means. I'm Nicholas, your grandfather. You are the youngest in the long line of the most famous games makers in the world. Now he'll have to unlock a mystery Ivan! and face his biggest challenge. I have to find out what happened to my parents. Good morning, Mr. Drago. Welcome to Possum School. Where'd you get that fake tattoo? It's real. Did Merodian give it to you? Ivan, you must be very happy. You know what that means? I think this somehow linked to my parents and Merodian. Are my parents alive? Is everyone ready? We've got to get out here fast. You're surrounded. You cannot win. You think you can beat me? Games Maker. Right, so The Games Maker, directed by Juan Pablo Bescarini. Uh, it's from 2014. It stars Joseph Fiennes, Tom Kavanagh, Ed Asner, and David Mazous. I think it's Mazous. Mazous? Mazous? One of them. You'll know exactly who it is in, in a little while. It has a running time of 108 minutes. It has an IMDb score of 5.6 out of 10, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 40%. It had a budget of $6 million and it grossed $4.4 million. I'm going to read you the synopsis now. This is directly from the back of the DVD. Young Ivan Drago, David Mazouz from Gotham, is a genius games maker. When his amazing inventions lead him to win a competition that is quite literally out of this world. Ivan is suddenly catapulted into the fantastical world of Zeal. But after a freak accident turns Ivan's idyllic childhood upside down. He is whisked away to a nightmarish boarding house under the watch of evil rival Merodian, Joseph Fiennes, Shakespeare in Love. He is forced to play one of the greatest and deadliest games of all, the game of survival. Well, okay, there's a lot to digest in there. Firstly, it's not this isn't a prequel to Rocky IV. This isn't about Ivan Drago, (laughs) the boxer. It's not that. I'll give you a bit of background on the film. The film is based... Uh, on the books of Argentinian writer Pablo de Santis, uh, called The Inventor of Games, and is an Argentinian-Canadian uh, production 
uh, released by eight different production companies and among the distributors uh, among the distributors is uh, Walt Disney Argentina. I'll give you a bit of uh, stuff on director Juan Pablo Bascarini. He's known for Little Heroes in 2017, a Venezuelan animation. Uh, there's one called Tinny, The New Life of Violetta, and uh, it's basically a South American Hannah Montana. And there's uh, seven others, many of them animations. A native Argentinian gained his uh, credentials at the University of Middlesex in, that says Lund, I'm pretty sure that means London. And he won a Goya Award for the best animated film for Perez, The Mouse of Your Dreams, and which is basically a Goya Award is a Spanish Oscar. So he won an award for that. That's pretty much all I could find out about uh, Juan Pablo Bescarini. Uh, we're going to David Mazaus now, who plays uh, Ivan Drago. He's probably best known or famously known for playing the young Bruce Wayne in the Gotham TV series. His, his birthday, ironically, is the same day as Bruce Wayne's, which is February 19th. Uh, he started his career in commercials alongside people like Keith Sutherland when he was eight years old. Uh, for the life of me, tried tried to find out, and I couldn't find out which, which uh, advertisement it was. He worked with Sutherland again, on the uh, Supernatural TV series Touch in 2012. I only think that got one series. So, uh, yeah, I wonder if there's a link there, but I couldn't find it. 19 actor credits to his name. Uh, The majority being TV appearances like Criminal Minds, The US Office, and Family Guy, things like that. On to Joseph Fiennes now, who plays Merodian. Um, He has 40 actor credits to his name, including Elizabeth, Leo, and The Escapist. Probably most uh, famously known for playing uh, Commander Fred Waterford in the TV um, adaptation of The Handmaid's Tale. He's the brother of Joseph Fiennes. They have both romanced, he and his brother have both romanced the same leading lady on screen in Kate Blanchett. Joseph in Elizabeth and uh, Ray Fiennes in uh, Oscar and Lucinda. And they are cousin to the Polar Explorer, Sir Ronald Fiennes. I'm going to give you a bit of critical response now. This is Bruce Costello from the Common Sense Media. He gives this two stars, and he says, with, sti- with, its stylized sets, um, with its stylized set designs and creative use of colour to set mood, the games maker has some enjoyable aspects. However, the movie is marred by an unwieldy filled plot with many backstories, elements that feel false, and parts that feel a little too similar to a certain enormously popular book and movie franchise in which kids attend an unusual private school. Alison Weil uh, from... Sorry, Alison Wiley, Alison Wiley from WileyWrites.com says, Juan Pablo Bascarini's Family Fair is better than Hugo and as entertaining as any Harry Potter film, making the games maker a must-see for audiences of all ages. So with a critical response there, it's a bit of a... I can see what they're aiming at, and you can see what sort of Juan, Juan Pablo Bascarini was sort of trying to do, if this is what they're saying. Um, obviously, uh, Addison Wiley thinks more highly of the film than Brian Costello, but that's pretty much what I got. They're sort of middling reviews at best. And we're going to the expectation now. Uh, I mean, there's lots of comparisons to Harry Potter, but I'm definitely not expecting that. I watched the trailer, and I got a bit of a Lemony Snicket vibe to it, mixed with a bit of um, Robin Williams's Jumanji. And you know what I always say at this? As long as it's not boring or exposition heavy. I mean, this is a kid's family film after all. We don't want to be bogged down with far too much plot. Let's just get the thing moving. I want a rip-roaring adventure. I mean, that feeds into that. I just want it to move as fast as possible. It's been promised, and I hope to God it's inquisitive. It's got questions that are answered, and I want it to be colourful. Joseph Fiennes is the villain in this, and I just want him to moustache twirl all the way through. It's a kid's, it's a kid's film, right? So... All I want is, I want moustache twirling right the way through. 
is 108 minutes and I don't want to feel what the, any minute of it. Now, to put that in perspective, that is seven minutes shorter than Back to the Future. And in Back to the Future, they don't waste a frame. And it's seven minutes shorter than this, so hopefully they don't do the same. But I'm comparing this to Back to the Future, it's not going to be that, I know that. After all that's said and done, we're going to break for an intermission now. Will I go and watch the film? from watching the film if this is your first time and you just wonder what the hell's just happened i don't watch the film before i research it all and then i come back to it and then research it all write it all down give you all the spiel then i go and watch the film with an expectation of what i've read and then come back and we break down the plot and i'll tell you what's good and what's not and all the rest of it so just a quick one if you want to watch the games maker spoilers spoilers from here on in i'm going to spoil the whole film right from the start to the finish and we're going to start with my initial reaction. Right, so this wavers in tone wildly. It really does. And there's loads of tropes in there. And it's basically, you know, it's it's a good-looking film with some adequate CGI. The, the CGI is good when it's good, and when it's bad, it's awful. Uh, the performances are fine. They're all committed. But the story is really perfunctory. I will get into this as we go along. And it takes a lot of time to get where it's going, which isn't very far. So uh, all that said and done, we're going to... I'm going to break it down now. So we'll start uh, from the opening titles. Uh, we start with a voiceover. Um, Beacon got board games over a lovely flourish animation uh, that ends up talking about the life of Ivan Drago. Spoilers again. It's not. It's not a prequel to Rocky Four. It's not. You know. It's none of that. And we see that uh, a 2.4 family are uh, playing this board game. Uh, the camera goes through the board game at this point, and we see the Drago family. It's a fun fair this point it's all very pretty it's very tim burton-esque it's got that sort of hyper-realized 50s feel to it and the, the colors are quite saturated where we see that ivan at the fun fair with his family and he's completely not enjoying any of the rides he goes on on the way out of the fun fair oscar uh, oscar who the hell's oscar ivan spoils the game of chance um that he absolutely sucks at it's a bow and arrow game at this point just just fyi Chekhov's bow Chekhov's bow and arrow for that and he wins a consolation prize of a comic Inside the comic, there is a competition. Um, it's just basically design a board game, send it in, and win a prize. So um, Ivan, as a natural gift for this, ironically, you know, uh, we discover Ivan's dad is completely against board games, you know, wildly against them, and uh, he's into sports, all the sports, every single one of them. He completes his first game, and in a Harry Harry Potter style sequence, uh, we see the letter that he sent his uh, board game off fly across oceans and through ocean liners and sort of. You know, the whole way a, a letter is distributed across the world. Of, of course, it doesn't really do that. This isn't Harry Potter. It's more straightforward than that. It just makes it look a bit nicer. Ivan gets uh, into the top 10,000 entrants and uh, he's asked to invent another game. Now, if you ask me, now this is a racket. It's you send your games in. We get ten, we get 20,000 and we'll pick the best 10,000. Then, you know, we can probably steal some ideas off it. Ivan's dad is concerned about him spending all his time in his room doing these board games. He's done all these board games in secret. And uh, he tries to encourage his son into sport, but ends up inspiring him in, in his games and he ends up making a cycling game. After more submitted games, he wins. Uh, I mean, if he didn't, it wouldn't be much of a film, really, would it? It'd just be, you know, the games my crew didn't win. A bit boring. Anyway, all his imagination and effort is um, rewarded with, drumroll please, a shitty stick on tattoo. That's right, one of those ones that you, you know, put on with water and that. 
great. Uh, he sticks the tattoo on and it won't wash off. Uh, the tattoo is a strange symbol, um, sort of a house with wings. Ivan's dad uh, knows what the symbol is and he phones his estranged father. That's the first time we've met any, anybody else in the family. We don't really meet him, he's just on a phone. And he gets out an old cine film uh, to show Ivan, his grandfather, who is a famous games maker from a place called Zill. He invented such games like The End of the World Race, Crystal Cathedral, and the legendary Giant Jigsaw. I mean, no. They're, they're not Monopoly. They're not Cluedo. They're, they're games obviously made up for this. Because I've never heard of any. If they are, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know. Ivan's dad says he will take him to meet his grandfather after he's done a hot air balloon race. Because, of course, his dad's got to do a hot air balloon race before you bother going and seeing the family. Otherwise, what the hell's, you know, we've got to invite some sort of drama into the film. And no, no, you heard me right. It's a hot air balloon race. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? As usual, the weather forecast was wrong. Conditions were suitable. The winds were light. Which is why no one could understand how the accident happened. What could have caused the Drago's balloon to separate from the others and drift away? In the days that followed, Ivan asked himself over and over again how this could have happened, but there were many challenges to face before he would find the answer to that question. So, 13 minutes in, bit of an observation, and the plot is bouncing along. It's a bit exposition heavy you know the voiceover that the voice you've had the voiceover 13 minutes it gets very intrusive and it doesn't feel like the film's settling down to any point we just heard that ivan's parents have uh basically been declared dead from this um this hot air balloon accident and now he's uh he's declared an orphan and is shipped off to this uh possum boarding school by uh, apparently this judge has just declared that yeah he's an orphan and that's it. he's got no living family even though we know he's got a granddad they took it upon themselves to say, no, 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 just go. Off, off you go. We get to this possum boarding school and we find the child services in this scene are very lemony snicket. Um, in fact, the whole sequence is very lemony snicket, you know. Um, we also flick back to Ivan's house and we see that Ed Asner, who is his granddad, has shown up, but it's too late. Ivan's already gone. Uh, Ivan meets the headmaster who is trying for menacing in these scenes. He's, he comes, you know, he's trying to be some sort of demon headmaster but he comes just across as campy if i'm honest uh he's also given to a school guardian because he's the only orphan in the school and she's a she's an absolute carbon copy of miss trunchbull with a bit of thrown with a bit of lurch thrown in there he gets introduced to his new classmates and one of the boys randomly starts playing a violin for absolutely no reason all the colors been sort of washed out here it's all very blues and grays so you're going for this lovely 50s aesthetic into this boarding school where all the life's been sucked out of it, basically. And straight away, after this guy with the violin, he falls foul of the school bully. I mean, of course he does. That's the way these things work, isn't it? Uh, while in the inner grounds, he comes across some boys playing a uh, wrestling board game that is exactly like the one Ivan designed for the competition. Uh, the bully boy sees Ivan tattoo and wants to know how he gets it. Told you it's a racket, didn't I? I told you. They, they stole his idea and sold it. He's uh, he's led to his do- dormitory that night and he's the only one in there because, of course, he's an orphan. He's the only orphan there. So uh, while in bed, he hears a psst. And it's a girl who lives in the walls. And her name is Anna Lucinia. <laughs> I'm going to try this. Anna Nushiona. Anna Nushion? Anna Nushion. Anna Nushion, that's right. But I'm going to call her Anna because I'm not going to keep saying that. And I don't know why she's there. There's just a... She's run away. We don't know what from, but she's just run away. Anna tells Ivan that uh, Merodian 
has been to the school. Uh, Marodian is the runner of the games competition, and uh, that's when the school changed. Uh, after a week at school, uh, Ivan has the whole school up in arms playing games properly, and Ivan is about to be jumped by bullies, but Anna saves him and takes him into her bedroom in the walls, uh, where she's got a present for him. It's a jigsaw that was sent to the school that they wouldn't let him have, and they assembled the jigsaw, and it reads, Channel 3, Midnight. So... Uh, this all makes no sense, this scene at all, by the way. He's being watched like a hawk, but apparently him and Anna can just pull a TV into her bedroom in the wall and then put it on after midnight, quite loud as well. They watch this uh, Channel 3 after midnight and it's Ivan's granddad who appears on television and he says he's looking for him. He's even been to the terrible school the way they would let him in. And if he can, if he can get out, get to Zeal and he'll... Um, He'll find sanctuary there. Ivan tells Anna he's going to escape and wants to go to the library, which is two floors down in one of the swampy levels, the, the underground levels, obviously, the, the uh, school is sinking. Uh, the library is a really cool set. It's dark and it's creepy and it's, it's really quite menacing. It kind of reminds me of um, City of Ember, if anybody's seen that. That's a great little film with uh, Sasha Ronan in. That's a, a really nice kids' film. Pretty much in the same, same sort of vein as this, to be honest. Anyway, he goes down there and um, he's looking for a book because uh, what else are you looking for in a library? Anyway, Ivan says he's going to sink the school. That's the quickest way to uh, get the authorities to close the school down. So he takes a book from the architecture section. Right, I went to two different public schools. Not public schools, sorry. Normal comprehensive schools. And a, a primary. I went to a sorry. I went to a comprehensive school and I went to a primary school. And no point in our um, library sections did we have an architectural section, but in this one they do, and it's sinking. So, you know, surely you should be looking at that. Anyway, Ivan takes this book and it's got the blueprints of the entire schooling. Why? Why has this book got the blueprints of the schooling? No clue. Anyway, Ivan calls a meeting in the library with his fellow classmates and they all turn up and they want to, they, he tells them they're going to take part in a treasure hunt. And now this bit reminded me a lot of young Sherlock Holmes. Um, in young Sherlock Holmes, they have a, a moment where they hide one of the school's trophies and young Sherlock Holmes has to go find it. And this bit reminded me a lot of that. Anyway, they go around and what Ivan's done is he's placed these clues in certain parts and he's figured that with enough movement and the kids hitting these spots, he's going to be able to shift the school and sink it six feet. And that's that's what his, uh, his whole plan is. Unfortunately for him, it works way too well, and the whole school sinks. This is one of those moments where it's a bit clunky, the CGI, and it works quite well, and then it's a bit clunky. It's one of those where it doesn't sit absolutely right, but it's, it's all right. It's not terrible, but it's not brilliant. In all the confusion of the school sinking, uh, Ivan manages to escape. And he meets Anna at a train station, who is disguised as a letterbox. I don't know why. I have no clue how she's got into this letterbox. I have no clue how she's managed to move in it or anything. But anyway, she gives him a ticket. With what money? We have no clue. And she says she's going home. There's no character exposition on, on Anna's part at all. So, where she... Oh, there's far too many questions for it. Anyway, Ivan gets a train and he's still inventing games on the train. And the, con the conductor of the train gives him uh, another comic book. This one depicts what happened to his parents. They got lost in the, in the, in the uh, mountains uh, as their uh, uh, hot air balloons sank up there. And then we arrive at Zill. And uh, he gets off at Zill and he, we meet two people. Two, two young uh, kids called Bishop and Knight. They are known as the Checkmates. Obviously, Bishop and Knight. 
again very cool sets really really cool looking place it's sort of a a 50s theme park that is lost its zeal <laughs> funny enough it looks like a setting amongst the alps and it's got a really nice alpine feel sort of thing disneyland meets port merion that sort of feel um he goes to his grandfather ed asner uh who is a you know he's a lovable granddad and he takes him in over dinner ivan asks about the comic and his uh, granddad just dismisses it out of hand and uh, he does the same about ivan's tattoo as well tell me about your interest in games well I invented some games for a competition mm -hmm. that had over 10,000 contestants. Mm -hmm. And I ended up winning. Oh. This was the first prize. Um, it, it was sent to me by Mr. Merodian. Have you heard of him? Your father loves spaghetti. Mm. Do you know Merodian? Ivan, you are now with me here. Brazil is the world capital for games invention. Hmm. Grandpa, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I just, I couldn't help noticing the town. It seems a bit quiet. Well, that's true. We have seen better times. But those of us who have stayed in Zil feel that the glory days will return to us here. After all, it only takes one game to change everything. Dessert. For some reason, I don't know why, I don't trust the granddad. Don't know why, I just don't. Anyway, uh, it turns out that even though Ivan's invented all these games, he's never actually played a game against another person. So his granddad makes him play that all-time classic, Puma versus Dogs. You know, that old chestnut. After a conversation with the checkmates, Ivan discovers there is, magic, there is a magic brain uh, that can answer your questions. Very return to Oz, this. Um, Zeal is a place sort of like where the magic has gone. You know, um, there's a Brandon Sanderson book called Elantris, which has got the same sort of feel. And this is the same sort of thing. This lost its spark. It's lost its, its mojo sort of thing. Um, they go to the Magic Brain, uh, which is basically a massive Zoltar from Big. After asking the question and nearly setting the thing on fire, Grandad shows up and it goes all cryptic. They go to the museum where there is lots and lots and lots and lots of exposition and a giant jigsaw map of Zeal. And we find that Merodian has stolen a piece that, that we think is the, you know, that's stopped all the, he's basically pulled a pin out and they stopped the circuitry of Zil. And after his mom ran off, this is Merodian, after his mom ran off with the salesman and his dad died in a town maze, the granddad took him in and raised him with Ivan's dad. And it turns out Merodion got banished. This is the this is one of the best bits of the film for me. I had to pause this. It was great. Turns out Merodion got banished from Zil for creating a dark game, not demonic, or likes the you know a, a, a way of touching the other side. Just a way for him to express his grief of the death of his father in a dying you know in a dying in a maze. I mean, what people of Zil? You threw a guy out for being expressing his grief. Shame on you all. And then there's lots and lots more exhibition. Entry into the Young Inventors Tournament. His entry was called The Labyrinth of Death, based on his father's terrible demise. Zill was not ready to accept someone so different, so Marodian, at the age of 20, was banished from the town. He, he blamed me. Was it your decision? No one was willing to take responsibility. 
So we finally decided to take it to the magic brain. The brain replied, yes. Morodian felt that I had betrayed him, and he left that same night, committing one last act of defiance. He left a letter. He attacked me for abandoning him to the whim of an old machine and said he wished I had never taken him in. He finished the letter with a terrible curse. The dynasty of Drago inventors will end with you, Nicholas. Your father left town shortly after to begin his life. And you never heard from him again? Not until his call informing me of your existence. After all the exposition, all of it, Ivan decides uh, he's going to take on Merodian on his own. Why? Why? You've just met your granddad and you're going to write... No, same night, by the way, people. Same night. Well, it feels like... It's probably not, but it feels like the same night. That ended passage of time in this film well at all. Anyway, he, takes, he decides he's going to take Merodian on his own and he heads off to the Zeal Labyrinth for some reason. Don't know why, he just does. Had to rewind this to see if I'd, see if I'd missed something. Turns out, I missed nothing other than Mer- Merodian has been playing a really long, vengeful game. Again, for what reason, I don't know. Anyway, Ivan, after pissing about in a maze, uh, finds a way out, ends up at the Zill exit, and there's a bus with the Profound Games Company is waiting for him. Lots of questions about this. Really, really lots. I mean, why? Why does he enter the maze in hopes of finding Merodian when Merodian is somewhere else completely? I don't understand why he's got in there. Right? Then it's... How long has this bus been waiting? Does it come every night and hope that he's going to walk out and jump on the bus? I don't understand how this... I don't understand how this passage of the film works. If Ivan decides he's not going to bother and just enjoy his life, Merodian will die a bitter, bitter, bitter old man with no closure on his evil scheme. Which is... Yeah, made no sense whatsoever. At all. None at all. So anyway, after all that, the bus takes him to a port and I thought it was for a ship but it's not it's to a factory um at the port side um and it also looks like a nazi headquarters uh it goes in and there's all you know masses of red tape um, to see merodian reminding me of the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy when they're trying to free trillion that sort of thing yeah just trying to get into see merodian anyway after he gets all this stuff he gets into an elevator and makes a fake ivan a fake ivan is in there now this is explained i'll explain later on just it's not explained right now at the merodian floor he meets a strange 360 degree guard that looks like something from a, a trashy horror film via star wars and terry gilliam it's sort of like got a strange gas mask on and it's three people sewn together in a triangle so they have 360 degree. Uh, finally, after more than an hour, we meet the villain of the piece in Merodian, and Joseph Fine, who is on absolute pantomime form. He's dressed up like a South American dictator, for a start. And there's some gut, guff plot device about oh, collecting his dreams. Oh, Christ knows. Um, he's got people coming into his room and writing down what he says in the middle of the night, because we all do that, don't we? He tells Ivan he has repeatedly interfered in Ivan's life, all just to get him there. I mean, really? Just get some good therapy. Stop interfering in this kid's life. 
What's wrong with you? God. I mean, it's just so he can open a strange Ivan Drago themed, uh, themed theme park. I mean, whatever. Observation here. I mean, where do they get their money from? There's theme parks. There's entire towns. There's in massive competitions. There's endless amounts of people employed. Have they, have they just stolen money from people? Have they got people to put investments into their into their trust funds or so? I don't know. It's just are they trust fund kids? I don't understand. This is obviously a world where board games are absolutely huge, where you can go and do. I, I don't understand it at all. Also, Marodian is a pun machine. I'm not bother talking to him. He's deaf. Lost his hearing working on a dynamite game. Dynamite game's about to go on sale to the general public. Sure to be a big hit. An explosive success. So, everyone who has ever been nasty to Ivan works for Merodian as well. We see the head teacher, uh, we see the lady from child services, even the school bully, who amazingly is in charge of the shark tank. Yes, that's right, there's a shark tank in this uh, theme park. Ivan gives uh, Merodian some, some grief, and uh, he provides... Uh, he proves he's a villain, and he proves what a villain he is by not fucking about and chloroforms Ivan to sleep. That's the first real sort of anything of character development we see. We see that Merodian is an absolute piece of shit. Anyway, he wakes up. Ivan wakes up and he's in his old room, um, only to find out that it's a set in Merodian's theme park. And uh, Merodian is a sort of Walt Disney meets Willy Wonka via fascist dictator. He tells Ivan he's free to leave, but he shows him something to change his mind. It's a cage for Anna. I mean, we don't see Anna, and he could be lying his bollocks off, but he's, he's like, oh, no, well, I better stay, because I want to free Anna. No, I mean, I mean, what? Anyway, Merodian makes Ivan um, his dream scribe. Again, I, oh, plot device. And he has to go to his bedroom at 3 a.m. That's just fucking weird. Grown man wants a boy to go to his room at 3 a.m. Fucking, fucking weird. Danny wants him to take note of his dreams. It just gets weirder and weirder. Anyway, Ivan wanders around the park and then ends up in the cellar with uh, Mr. Gabler, who is the trash collector. He informs Ivan that Merodian uh, became obsessed with him as soon as he knew who he was. And um, he also says that Merodian may not have taken Anna and that he was just bluffing. I said this, I said this, didn't he? And for some reason, he gives he gives Ivan a penknife. After being shown the way out, Ivan stumbles uh, upon a cell that's holding Anna, so they have actually stolen Anna, yeah? And uh, after they catch up, she tells him not to come back and she'll escape because they're idiots. Um, when she escapes, uh, she'll meet him and they'll escape together. All very vague. Don't know where they're going to meet. Don't know what time they're going to meet. Could be a week from Tuesday outside the chippy, for all I know, because it's not explained and it's not put together. Anyway, Ivan goes to Merodian's bedroom to collect his dreams. There's a really, really dark moment here where uh, Ivan pulls the penknife out and it sort of looms ever so closely, just sort of like it, it looms with the, the penknife in the foreground and Merodian in the background. And he's, he's like, yeah, it's... It's a nice little, oh, do I dare, do I dare to uh, kill the sleeping Merodian? But he doesn't kill him, unfortunately. Uh, instead, he uses the knife to remove the missing jigsaw piece uh, that he stole from Zill. Um, and uh, he sets off all the alarms, of course he does. Merodian, of course, um, has Ivan's parents locked up, because of course he does. They're not going to be dead, are they? And after meeting up with Anna, she tells him um, she saw some people being ushered to the shark tank. Right, okay. When they when they get to the shark tank, they are dangling. His parents are dangling above the shark tank, being flung about by the school bully. 
Uh, the school bully is controlling the, car the crane, and they are saved by the Ivan actor in the theme park. Just FYI, the Ivan actor, I didn't go into explaining it, he's somebody who's been employed to be an Ivan stand-in when the theme park opens, so he's a guy you can have your picture taken with, and he knows all about Ivan's life, basically. That's it. Um, Ivan and his parents and Anna escape via the hot air balloon that's in the theme park, so obviously he's part of Ivan's life. Uh, while this is going on, Merodian and his and his Gillian-type goons show up, and Ivan, uh, who has missed the balloon, fires an arrow into the balloon basket um, with the missing zeal jigsaw piece in, into it for his parents. Yeah, the balloon steers back to Ivan, because uh, that's how hot air balloons work, obviously. They uh, pick up Ivan, and Merodian jumps onto the ladder too, Merodian gets hit by a sandbag from, you know, his parents and, and Anna are throwing sandbags at him and he falls. But he doesn't die, he falls into a carnival tent. The, the balloon zips off, drifts off to Zeal, where Ivan, Anna and family restore the legacy of Zeal. The end. Right, so... We did the sum up and reaction of this, right? There are so many threads to this film, and they're all of them almost unrealised. Every single one of them. I mean, it's pick your favourite kids' film, and you'll find it somewhere in here. There's a bit of everything. Um, it feels like it's a world of magic, but it never comes close to it. There's no magic in this film at all. There's nonsensical, uh, sensical everything. You know, where's all the money come from? Why is he doing this? just go and get some therapy all of you that's what you all need why is zill you know just because he's taking a jigsaw piece why is zill running out of it's like going to a, like um it's like going to a theme park after he's had a really big incident you know like somebody's been injured or, or unfortunately somebody's been killed and he's got that he's lost his zeal you know it's, it's really strange it's i don't understand it's got to be a parallel world where this is set it's over stylized and a lot of it makes no sense whatsoever the whole bit with the, oh, you're now an orphan, off you go. But you've got a granddad. I know I've got a granddad, he's right there. You know, it's not like he, they've got to find him. It's like, yeah, I even know who he is, he lives in Zeal. It's like, oh, no, no, you're not, you know, off you go, off you go. Just because, you know, some bloke who owns a, a games factory, a board games factory, tells them to. Still, I'm, see, I'm just, I'm sat here confused by that completely now. Um, I mean, all the cast do do a sterling job, to be fair. Let's, let's talk about some positives. All the cast do a sterling job, and they do their best. Uh, and unfortunately, the writing's not there to get to the bones of any of the characters. You know, they're portraying Ivan as resourceful and brave and all this. He's the only one who gets anything close to some sort of backstory, the rest of them. I mean, his mum and dad, his mum and dad. If I didn't know that the actor... Um, he plays JD's brother in Scrubs and he's been in a couple of other things. I think he was in the Yogi Bear film. If I didn't know him from them, I wouldn't have been able to pick him out of a lineup because I can't remember his mum at all. That's how little they bother with this. It's like, I have no clue who these people are. Ed Asner comes along and it's like, we just needed a lovable old man type. Who do we? Ed Asner's free. Let's, let's get him in. All right, Ed, you, you're free for 10 minutes. I don't even think he got changed. I think he came straight from his house. He's still wearing his granddad's granddad gear. So, yeah, it's a bit strange. And I know it's a family film, but it's really thin. And if you judge it by other... I mean, like, I've done a couple of family films for the podcast. Pan is a much better film than this. And so is um, 
The Legend of the Guardians. Both of those are much better films than these. The effects are really good in places and the sets are absolutely lovely and they're lush. The world building is really believable. It's just unfortunate that the world isn't believable. You know, it's just it's just missing something. And ironically, it's missing a touch of magic. You know, they compare it to Harry Potter. It's not that. Do not go into this film expecting Harry Potter. It's one of those things you could stick on on a Sunday afternoon. That sort of thing. And you could fall asleep while watching it, I'm telling you now. So let's go to the verdict. Gentlemen of the jury, reach the verdict. Considering all the facts and arguments presented by both counsel, and after careful deliberation, the jury will retire and consider the evidence. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, have you reached the verdict? Very judge! I mean, if you didn't get it from my sum up, it's a very uneven film. It's not completely boring, but I'm never fully engaged either. Um, there were so many threads, and I was wondering if this is more than one book put into one film, whether it's three or four books all put into one film to try and smash it all together. They're obviously jumping off the back of stuff like Lemony Snicket and stuff like Harry Potter. You know, anything that was coming out at that time where you got this action adventure type thing set in this hyper realistic world. There's no explanation for how that world works, and it sort of falls apart at that. Like I said, it's it's Sunday afternoon family film viewing, maybe at Christmas as well, and and that's pretty much it. It's not one that's going to stick me out. I've had um, I've watched this about a week ago from when I recorded this, so it's not stuck with me very well at all. And I'm glad I made all these notes because I wouldn't have remembered some of it. And I've wrote down here that I was going to give 50p out of a pound, but in hindsight, it's 40. 40, 40, I, that's, I paid a pound for this, but I think I was robbed of 60p. I'd have paid 40 pounds for this. It's, that's how much this is worth. Right, well, thanks a lot for coming along. And um, yeah, you can go along and see The Games Maker if you so desire. I've just bought a whole damn film, but there you go. You can go and make your mind up about it uh, on your own. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the £1 Movie Pod. You can find me on Facebook, £1 Movie Podcast. You can find me on Spotify and a few other places. The podcast isn't massively um, promoted, unfortunately, but um, it is out there. And if you are listening, again, not for not for the first time, thank you very much for your return listen, and uh, I'll speak to you again soon. Goodbye. <laughs>